You're listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad you could join us today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everyone, to the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda. For this week's episode, I'm going to be speaking with another good friend of mine who I haven't talked to in 20 plus years, Jeremy Moyes. Uh, Jeremy, just like my my friend Jonah Brodsky, who I talked to a few weeks ago, uh, is a friend of mine from my time at the Provo uh, Missionary Training Center preparing to serve a mission in Brazil uh, for the church. And it's, it was a great opportunity for me to catch up with Jeremy. Jeremy was really cool, funny guy, uh, really awesome guy, just like Joe. And it was great to reconnect with him, hear about what his life's been like since he's been back from his uh, time serving, uh, also in Manaus, in the Amazon, where is where Jeremy had served. Uh, and this interview is really fun for me. It's really great. But uh, it is a little spotty at a point, maybe due to the internet connection. So I'll do my best to edit it. It should come out sounding pretty good, but there might be a few hiccups here and there. So just bear with me. Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Jeremy Moise. Okay, joining me now on the Casting for Fun podcast is a very good friend of mine who I haven't talked to in 20 plus years, very similar to my other good friend, Joel Nabrowski, who I spoke to a few weeks ago. This is Jeremy Moyes. Jeremy, how are you today? Oh, man, if I was any better, I'd be twins. <laughs> good to hear. Good to hear. You look great. It's, it's great, to, great to see you. I know it's, it's an audio podcast, so no one's going to see this, but... <laughs> Well, then keep talking me up. No one can yeah. see it. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Well, this is really, thank you for making the time to, to talk with me. This is really fun for me. As I mentioned to you off the microphone that I started this podcast just for fun, to, to reconnect with friends, just to have a fun chit chat about anything and anything I want to talk about. So, uh, but yeah, I'm very interested in hearing about how your life's been post-mission life in the past uh, 20 plus years since the last time we talked. Oh, so you want me to sum up 20 years then, huh? Well, I have specific questions for you, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we, we had a really tight-knit group. I, I talked about it. I mentioned it in the my conversation with Joe from a few weeks ago that, you know, the 10 of us, I think we we were together in the MTC, uh, the, the Provo Missionary Training Center for preparing to serve a mission for our church, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, to go into Brazil. Uh, half of us went to Interlagos, such as myself. The other half, like you and Joe, went to Manaus. And, you know, during that time, we had a really close-knit friendship. It was really cool that we bonded together, the 10 of us. Uh, yeah. So what I wanted to, you know, talk to you about, I guess, was maybe your pre-mission life. Uh, if I remember correctly, you were from Pleasant Grove. Is that right? So born and raised in Utah? But yeah, yeah, yeah. From, uh, from Pleasant Grove um, here in Utah. And pre-mission life, sum that up. Jeez. I was uh, probably a normal kid up in the mountains as much as possible. Rock climbed a lot. Uh, mountain biked a lot, um, played lacrosse in school, was a terrible high school student because I never wanted to show up to school. Um, not because, I, not because uh, I, I wasn't smart or anything, I just didn't try at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, uh, then that led me up to going on a mission. So, um, so yeah, it was awesome. I love growing up in Utah. Like I was saying before, I, I grew up for about half half my life in a town called Payson, which was tiny. Um, my so wife lived in Payson for a number of years. Was she really? Yeah, she did. How long ago? Uh, you know, I had to ask her, her teenage years, I want to say, uh, Allison Sharp. 
House of Sharp. That does sound familiar. I moved away from there when I was 12. So like okay. 92. 92. Oh, okay. I think, yeah. So it was probably, uh, it was after that. Probably after that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love Pace and I hope you get a chance to visit it sometime. And you'll oh, say, no, this no, is a I mean, small town and there's nothing to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. And then, uh, so yeah, so we're, we're in the MTC together. Uh, do you remember some of your experiences? It was kind of fun reminiscing with Joe. He, he reminded me about the, the prank that we pulled on him about, uh, the fake package that, uh, the, that we convinced <laughs> him that a girl yeah. that he known before had sent. Uh, but I know we had our fun and games and stuff like that, but then we had, you know, good spiritually growing experiences too. Uh, what do you remember most of our time in the, the Provo MTC? I think I remember, kind of two sides of it like what you were talking about I, I think we were like we became a really tight-knit group fast we all became really good friends um and we were comfortable sharing our testimonies and crying with each other and we were comfortable pulling pranks on each other and laughing and having jokes uh, i have to say one of the things that stands out a lot now that i'm talking to you do you remember when you're uh um your young men's group visited us and oh yeah and oh, we yeah. smuggled pizza over the uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that man pulled up and was like oh, you are breaking the law <laughs> and he ran away with the pizza <laughs> oh that, so, yeah that was... i love that but um uh, it was such a spiritual time you know like scripture stood out more than they ever had before and um i felt like you felt like you were learning so fast everything you know and your my test your testimony or this probably isn't going out just to an lds uh, audience but um just just my belief in god and christ and everything grew so quickly and so fast there mm-hmm. um that that was awesome but uh, but those pranks were a lot of fun too we had a lot of fun with each other we played that giant that game of risk remember that i do remember yeah in fact i remember so i i explained to the listeners that we spent you know six weeks in provo but i forgot to mention that we had done three weeks in brazil and i remember like the uh, game got uh, really heated where like it was taking multiple days to actually finish a game of uh risk or i guess technically in portuguese they call it war but uh, <laughs> and i remember our oh, brazilian okay. teacher got really really upset because we were like falling asleep in class and he said okay everybody go we're canceling class. Go go back to your dorms and go to sleep. And then he comes to check on us to see if we were sleeping, but we were still playing the game. He was upset. <laughs> Walked in, he like, I think he like pushed the board over. And we were like, no. <laughs> and then we all felt guilty for uh, <laughs> for doing it. If I remember correctly, too, I think Troy was like really close to winning, and he was really angry. Yeah, that, like, he ruined the game. <laughs> yes, he was. So oh, yeah, yeah, some fun great. Times, some yeah. good times. Very cool. Very cool. What, I, I'm curious what stands out for you, man. I know I'm not supposed to be asking the questions, but what is it that stands out to you? Oh, no, absolutely. I got any question you want to ask, please feel free. I mean, definitely I, I'm doing the podcast for my interviews with my friends, but um, you know what? It was, uh, I think the fun and games, I think kind of helped ease the tension a little bit because I think I was really nervous and really scared like that first week. But yeah. once we kind of built that, that friendship and bond together, like, any minimal thing that was hard or difficult seemed manageable. Like uh, I, I kind of mentioned it to, to Joe, like, and then you could probably testify to this too. Uh, I'm a Southern California kid. I'd never seen snow before. Like, I think I freaked out the first time I saw it snowing. <laughs> uh, so that was a hard struggle for me. And then, you know, 
I know it's kind of a private thing. I didn't want to have to talk about it with without Matt's permission. But if you remember, Matt went to going to some really difficult uh, emotional stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm grateful that he was able to stay on and service the uh, mission faithfully. But I think building that friendship between the 10 of us, I think, helped with any kind of struggle that we were going through at the time. So, so yes, there were fun and games, but there were also really cool, spiritually like inspiring stuff that kind of helped us to uh, motivate us to continue on, which I thought was really great. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, Do right. you have an experience from Manaus itself? I mean, Joe kind of touched on it a little bit, like what life was like in the, the Amazon rainforest. But what was it like for you? Oh, each area was like so our 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 mission covered four states right yeah so we had the amazonas which is the biggest and we had horaima above us then Porto, um it was hondonia below us and then Acre. i think it was called Acre. anyways to the uh to the west of us so it was huge right and covered mm-hmm. so much there's a couple things I think there's some things that every time I think back that I remember, um, obviously there was a lot of, uh, poverty there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was something because it was different than anything I'd seen before. Like you'd walk into, um, some of these, these shacks is for the lack of a better word. And, and they were, you know, just great, amazing, beautiful, humble people living in very humble circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be, you know, sometimes 12 feet by 12 feet uh, maybe or 12 feet by seven feet or something just a small wooden shack that there'd be a you know maybe a mattress on the floor and and maybe a little propane stove or something you know like 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 a little barbecue or something in there and that was it that was all they had mm-hmm. um and that that stood out to me there's didn't always get to me, but there was some places where that got to me just a little bit. I think if I, I never really struggled with, with homesickness, I, I was homesickness. I was, I was blessed with that. I was, I was okay being away and all that, but there is one area that was probably the poorest area I served in that I, I remember there was about a week or two where I started feeling a little bit down thinking, Oh my gosh, this is all these people are ever going to know. But then you flip that and you run into the, and you know that these people, the, the, the people I met down there, again, like I was saying before, they're happy, they're humble, they're, um, they're always excited to bring you into their home and, and talk with you and feed you anything that they had, um, they would offer up to you, and, and I loved them. So I became really, really good friends with a lot of people down there that I'm still in contact with today. I'm very blessed. You know, to have those those relationships that we're able to to um, to grow. Um, geez, what else? Um, the companions themselves, um, really good, great missionary companions and friends that that are created down there. Um, I, I mean, there's a lot of individual experiences, some really spiritual and some just like absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting shot at a couple of different times and, <laughs> uh, and things like that that were kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, what I'm going to, what I remember the most is just the circumstances they lived in, but the the wonderful, warm uh, reception that that you almost always got from all of them. Um, you know, from all the Brazilians there. Oh, awesome! And sounds sounds wonderful. 
uh, you know, it's a huge uh, learning experience for all of us that we can grow and develop as people, as, as men. So it was, uh, I'm sure, a wonderful experience for everyone who's gotten to go. Uh, so now what I wanted to ask you about was more like your, your post-mission life. So when you got home, did you have an idea what you wanted to do? Did you jump right into school or, or what was your, your life like when you first came home from your mission? I tell you, my life's taken so many twists and turns since then, uh, maybe not as many as I think. But so, of course, we were down there during 9-11, right? Yeah, we were. Yeah, t- the, the very end, uh, towards the, like, yeah. the last uh, three months. Yeah, so it was a much different country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, we left with our families being able to see us right out at the, uh, you know, the gates mm-hmm. to at the airport to home to, um, you know, the guys in the military and M16s walking around the airport, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy. But so there, I had a shift in thinking while I was out there, I, I left thinking I was going to be like an archeologist or something like that. So frankly, I didn't know exactly for sure. Um, 9-11 happened. And then I started thinking, you know, the things that really matter are government and politics and being able to, not even politics, but like relations, international relations and things like uh-huh. that. Yeah. I got really, really interested in, in that. And so I came home. Uh, I knew I was going to go to school for something and I dabbled a little bit in, um, you know, uh, pre-med just long enough to uh, convince my wife to marry me because mm-hmm. uh, I was going to be a doctor. And then I, then I switched it <laughs> afterwards <laughs> to uh, political science and uh, just got really passionate about political science with like an emphasis in uh, like I said, international relations and Middle East and, and things like that. And then I absolutely blew a couple of interviews with the CIA. That was oh, no. just bomb. I just bombed those interviews. I look back at them now and just laugh really hard because I, I was just so nervous. So I, I bombed the, the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still planning on going and uh, getting my master's degree and then a doctorate um in that field but my best friend um told me to you know once i graduated my bachelor's said hey come on down and work with me um you know at least for the summer and uh you know i'm on to something i think it's really nice it's really good i said all right fine so i I was expecting to go down work with him for three four months while i studied to, to pass my um you know the Oh, what's the MRE? What's the, not meals ready to eat. What's the master's exam that you have to take? I'm forgetting it right now. Oh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what it's called. It's going to bother me forever. Anyways, to study for that test for my uh-huh. master's. Uh-huh. And I ended up just working there for a long time. I, just, I ended up selling with all that, that political science and international relations and, and, and geography background, everything. I ended up selling timeshare for 14 years with Worldmark by Wyndham. Oh wow! <laughs> um, and I just barely switched that up in uh, February, and I'm I'm selling solar now with the same friend. We kind of started a, a company doing that. So oh, so awesome, good, very cool. I say starting a company loosely. I'm just kind of a manager in the company, but oh, okay. uh, it's been a lot to build that up. Um, you know, see it start from the ground up and, and go from there. So, so yeah, kind of a lot of weird stuff. I went to DC for a little while as a, an intern uh, for a congressman. My wife and I both worked, lived back there. We 
lived in Seattle for a bit selling solar, um, not solar, I'm sorry, selling uh, um, uh, security systems. And so we bounced around from here and there. And But uh, that's basically it. That was a, a long, boring story made longer. No, no, it's perfect. In fact, actually, it covered some of the questions that I had for you, the, some of the things I'd been looking at from your, your Facebook profile for work experience in school. So, yeah. no, it's really interesting. It's really, it's fascinating to see what we all decide to do. In fact, uh, to hear how 9-11 had actually influenced some of your career decisions, it's actually really fascinating and great to hear that. Yeah. Um, so what I had, to, what I wanted to ask you was actually about uh, your wife, uh, Jenica, right? Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm always fascinated to hear about like, you know, dating stories and how like, you know, you find the right person and you get married. And I think everyone's got really cool, interesting stories to share. So when you do get a chance, be, uh, I don't know if you've already know Joe's story, but I mean, Joe, he detailed his story meeting his wife, Brittany, which is actually uh-huh. a really funny, really cool story. <laughs> so if you could right. share with the listeners, how did you meet your wife, Jenica? And how did you come to propose to her and know that she was going to be the right girl for you? Oh, man, there's some. Yeah. Um, so my best friend that I was telling you about that, um, got me into, uh, the timeshare and now into solar and all that. Um, we've actually been friends since seventh grade, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he came home from his mission about a year after I came home from mine. Mm-hmm. And so the day he came home, I, I was over at his house, uh, knew his whole family, all except for one uncle and his family. Right. Mm-hmm. And they happened to be there that day. And uh, he has a cousin who's, who's my wife now. And uh, she was out, she was just there at the same time. And I noticed her out of the corner of my eye. So I, uh, um, I, I started directing all my, my funniest stories and funniest jokes that I had, saying them just loud enough so that she could hear and, and uh, you know, get that going. So we sparked it up, uh, sparked up a conversation there. I got to be careful when I say we sparked it up, huh? But uh, we sparked up a conversation. Yeah, exactly. And uh, had a lot of, um, it was just, it was like perfect. We just, we just, we just hit it off right from the, right from the very beginning. And uh, to the point where if, if, if you know me, I always have some sort of food spilled on my, uh, on my shirt somehow. I don't know why I just, just be the sloppiest eater in the world. She didn't care about that. Didn't even notice. I looked down, I got this huge stain there from somebody I'd been eating. And she had woken up that morning and she she thought she was going to go on a mission and for some reason decided she that that the mission wasn't for her. She had just broken up with a uh, with her boyfriend that she had been with for about a year. They actually almost got married. And uh, when she was coming down to Keith, my friends, that day, she just said that she knew she was going to meet the man that she was going to marry that day. Uh, so I always joked that when we met, I was really, I was really happy to meet her, and she was crying because she realized I was the, I was the one she was going to marry. <laughs> but um, okay, so uh, a weekend, she came down the next day. We hung out that week, and she had to go back up to Utah State to. Uh, to go to college uh, that's where she was going to school at the time ah. and uh, to, to keith keith you've got to set me up with your cousin she was beautiful she was awesome I need to date her and that was november 
and he didn't get it set up until like January 1st. And oh. she was, she kept on thinking, she was like, I knew I felt something. And then you didn't say anything for like a month and a half. Um, then we go, so we go out on our first date and again, just hit it off. It's perfect. Like there was not, we never had a bad date. We never, it was just, it was beautiful from the, from, from the very first moment. Uh, loved her. It was, it didn't, you know, it wasn't long. We dated for three months. Um, before we got married, I'm, before we got married, I'm sorry, before we got engaged, uh-huh. the engagement story is kind of, um, um, kind of terrible on my part. Oh. <laughs> we, uh, we went down to Moab, Utah, uh-huh. and I was thinking, so this is, we're about three months into dating and I was like, you know what, this is it. We've already talked a little bit about it, about getting married and we, we already know we love each other and all. I'm going to ask her to marry me down in Moab and I thought what better place than to ask her to marry me at sunset under the delicate arch right Mm -hmm. and and so I I planned this out and I was so poor so poor at the time that I had no business even going into a jewelry store and looking at a ring and so my mom actually gave me a wedding ring that was my great um she was my great great grandma's ring so she gave that to me and then my uh, grandma gave me this like this 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 old like kind of pretty music box and um, i did not know at that time um that you had to pay to get into a national park right it was like 25 bucks too and i was like oh crap i'm either going to pay 25 dollars and we're going to go in and to this park, but I'm not going to have enough for gas and dinner, right? Dinner and then gas to get home. And so I was like, what are we going to do? And I was like, uh, maybe we should go on another hike. And I had no idea where to go. So we start driving down the, uh, the road. And I see like this, this little trail. I don't even know if it's like a deer trail or something off the road. I thought that's it there's got to be a good view there so I was like let's go here I'm getting like a little nervous at this point because I kind of in my head I'd already committed to asking mm-hmm. her right so I was like there's no backing out man you've already committed and I couldn't find anything and we hike all the way we, we I kind of take her up this hill because I see this little like alcove right at the top I was like maybe there's a good view up there and we go up and we're kind of sitting in this alcove and I was like oh there's not that good of a view of the uh uh, sunset so I get out and, and I say hold on just stay here for a minute I get up and I walk along for a while trying to find a view of the sunset at least and she just thinks I went to the bathroom or something <laughs> come back and I was like well I get this is it it's not going to get better than this so I get down on one knee in this little alcove that I have never been able to find again and I and I asked her to marry me right there. And so I would like to say that I was more well-prepared and I had this giant, you know, whole day planned out of romantic things and everything. And, but no, I, I asked her in this, on the side of the hills somewhere in Moab. <laughs> that's how that worked. And she said, yes, thank goodness. So. Oh, awesome. Awesome. That's a wonderful story. Really, really great. Really awesome. And I'm, I'm sure she's a wonderful woman and she got a, a great husband in you. So it's, it's okay, Albert. You can say that it was a little <laughs> pathetic. I can handle that. 
<laughs> no, no, it's a wonderful story. It's great. I'm, I'm, thank you for sharing. It was really cool. Again, I'm always just fascinated to hear the stories of my friends and how they, they ended up with their spouses, um, especially with friends who I haven't talked to in a while. Cause, I mean, I never heard that story yeah. before, obviously. So. How do you meet your spouse? Oh, uh, sure. I'll take up a little bit of your time. I'm sorry. I don't want to go too much, <laughs> but yeah, you it's definitely should. Right. Okay. Man. So, uh, so I spent, I spent most of my twenties kind of messing around. Like, I mean, not, not falling away from the church, but I mean, just kind of like, uh, maybe not being super like, uh, proactive, uh, as far as like dating was going, you know? Uh, sure. and then I remember hearing, uh, a general conference talk from Thomas S. Monson, uh, back in 2011, where he basically kind of called out all the guys and said, hey, I mean, stop running around with your boyfriends and go find a wife. <laughs> he, he said it in a much nicer way than that. Oh. But uh, yeah, yeah. So this would have been, yeah, 2011. Um, okay. So then shortly after that, I mean, I accepted a blind date from friends, like mutual friends, sisters who knew me and knew my wife, Allison, said, hey, why don't we set them up on a, on a, a blind date? And I would have been 32 at the time. So, I mean, I, I got married kind of a little bit later in life. Uh, but at the time she was actually going to be moving with her family to Hawaii. Her dad had just accepted a, a, a position at BYU Hawaii as a director of mm-hmm. facilities. So, I mean, Hawaii is going to be a hard pass up. I mean, obviously I don't blame her for wanting to move, <laughs> but she did. Yeah. We kind of lost, lost contact after that, but then she kind of just reached out to me out of the blue, like a year later, just saying, Hey, do you want to be like my platonic long distance friend? And I said, sure, no problem. So we kind of like just started dating over the internet, uh, inadvertently. Uh-huh. You know, and then all of a sudden, like we, within a few weeks, we knew, okay, just based on talking to each other over the internet, we knew we were going to get married. Uh, So then she eventually had, we had to reach a decision for her to come back to the mainland or it was going to be that or me go to Hawaii. And it turned out that the mainland decision was better to have her come back here. So her family's still in Hawaii in, uh, in the, uh, the island of Oahu. Uh, So we go whenever we can to visit. I mean, we've gone several times, which is really cool. I love going to visit Hawaii. No Uh, kidding. And yeah, so I mean, we had a successful blind date. I, I know the ratio may not be that high for successful blind dates, but it worked out for us. So that was pretty cool. I love it. Well, good for you, man. That's awesome. Oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> so, but speaking of traveling, from what I've noticed from your, your Facebook profile, you've done a lot of really cool traveling. I mean, you mentioned that you were just in uh, New York City for work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been to the Dominican Republic. You've been to Japan. What are some of your favorite travel destinations you've done through work or just vacation with your family? Oh, well, I was, I was really lucky that, uh, to work for the timeshare company for so long. Cause they took me all over. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think our, our most favorite place so far to visit has been the, uh, the Mediterranean, uh, oh, Jordan, wow. uh-huh. Jordan was unbelievable. We spent nine days there on this, uh, just Jen and I on, a um, with, the with the private tour guide. That took us all over the entire country and seeing Petra and, um, you know, we spent three days inside of Petra, um, which you could have spent two weeks there and not seen everything. Um, and then the whole rest of the country, just, just beautiful. Like I, I, I've got, I, I love the Brazilian people, but I love the kind of the, that, that not middle Eastern Mediterranean people as well. Mm-hmm. So Jordan's are, we love Jordan. We love Turkey. Um, we, we've been to Istanbul and oh, Ephesus wow. there. Um, we went to Jerusalem and saw Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's, that's been my favorite parts um, because we just loved all the history. Like you just can't walk 
a foot in in those countries and not run into something that's four thousand years old or that's a it's a some of it's that old but you know going back to roman times and things like that uh-huh. um, or pre-roman times so that's just just beautiful and i love the food and everything about that but we also um went back to uh, manaus back in 2012 oh awesome when they when they built the temple and we were able to take i was able to take the whole family down there Oh, very cool. And, um, yeah, that was a great trip, too. We got to see uh, my friends down there, at least in, in Manaus. And we spent three or four days on the river uh, going on, the, you know, in the Amazon, um, which was, geez, I really want to head back there. Japan was amazing. I love that. I never thought I'd ever go to Japan. I didn't have any particular affinity to Japan or ever want to go to Japan. But my two best friends served missions there and they wanted to go back. So I just went with them and mm-hmm. that place was unbelievable as well. The cool thing about traveling is I've never been to a place that they didn't like. I've never been to a place that didn't have a rich culture, rich history, mm-hmm. great food to try, great people to meet. Oh, very cool. Very cool. That's, uh, that's great to hear. Uh, I've been traveling a little more frequently, but again, it's, it's sometimes it's harder with the young kids. So I think when my kids are a little bit older, my wife and I would definitely love to. A lot of those places you've mentioned are places that my wife has been to. So that'd be really cool um, to someday see. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, now too. Uh, oh. I was going to tell you, this is coming from an old timeshare salesman, right? But uh-huh. go now, eat, bring your kids with you now, because even if your kids are young and they're not going to remember it, you're going to remember them there, right? You're going to have the memories of the stuff you did with them as a little kid, mm-hmm. and they're going to grow up loving to travel. It's just a good, I like, I think, I don't think there's, I think there's few things that are more important than the vacations and the, the memories and the experiences we make when we're out on vacation, whether we're just going, you know, whether you're going somewhere in, in California or whether you're going across the country or whether you're going somewhere else, it doesn't matter. Just get out and do it because you don't get a chance to go. You don't get a second chance for a vacation with your two-year-old, mm-hmm. right? Or your three-year-old yeah. or your four-year-old. That's my, that's my timeshare pitch coming <laughs> out, right? But I believe it a hundred percent. I don't think there's, there's very many things that are more important than that. So. Well, it's definitely <laughs> something we'll, we'll continue to do or, or do, do a little more than we have been. Yeah. Not to be. We have taken my daughter to both ends of the country just for, for family oh, stuff. Really? So Love yeah, it. my daughter's gone many times to Hawaii with us to go see my in-laws. And then we've gone to uh-huh. the East Coast that way to Florida to for my brother-in-law's wedding. So she's okay. been a little bit more of a world traveler than I have. My 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 youngest. I love daughter. it. <laughs> I love it. He's he's getting you out and doing things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, she <laughs> daughter, daughter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I cool. wanted to ask you about some of like, uh, so we talked about travel and we talked about work and, and meeting your, your spouse. I wanted to ask you about some of like the, the fun things that I've seen you do on your Facebook account with a lot of uh, your friends that you've mentioned. Uh, the Evermore Gardens and the Star Trek experience. I remember when we were in the MTC, you would talk about that. You showed pictures of uh, when you and your friends had saw the Phantom Menace in the theater yeah. and a bunch of people cosplaying, dress, dressing up as Jedi. So I know it was stuff that you were into and like to do for fun. So if you can share your experiences, whether it's with the Evermore Gardens or the Star Trek experience or anything like that, that you kind of enjoy doing for fun. I love it. I love that those are things you brought up, man. (laughs) (laughs) We uh, we have I have a pretty tight knit group of friends from uh, we've been friends since junior high and high school. Uh, So there's four of us. 
um, and now our spouses and, and families, right? And mm-hmm. and we are um, we're always open for anything um, and anything that sounds like fun. And we're big dorks at heart too. Um, and so, so Evermore is just something that popped up here in um, Grove, actually. Uh, it started, I think, a couple of years ago, and it's a big, I think you'd call it, I don't go there a lot, right? But we just went there just for fun, just to try it out. I don't know if you'd call it, I think you could full-on call it cosplay, um, huh. or or more like, uh, what's the other um, live-action role-play? LARPing. Oh, right? uh, LARP, LARP, yeah. Yep, LARPing. So it's kind of a LARPing place, <laughs> but it's a big thing. Like, they have... They they really it's acres and acres of this. So they have castles and guilds and uh-huh. all sorts of things where you got to go around and you got to do certain things. You get accepted into a certain guild and and go on certain uh, quests and things like that. And um, and so we just dressed up for fun, went down there and uh, had fun uh, larping for the uh, larping for the night. Um, and we'll probably take our kids down there for some fun times too. Uh, so yeah, that was that was cool. I liked even more the Star Trek experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys put out there, but um, even growing up when I was a kid, they had a grade school up in. This is when I was in Payson, and this grade school was in Pleasant Grove, and it was it was called the and, and inside they had what's called the Christy McAuliffe Space Center. Uh, Christy McAuliffe was the teacher that was killed on the uh, challenger and the challenger oh, okay. blew up okay and so it was like a, that they named it after her mm-hmm. but it's this it's this part of the school that they set aside where they kind of created a uh, um like the um oh the the main deck of of a star trek ship right so they have computers set up and you've got the communications area and your captain seat and the security officers and you got to decide who's going to be who are you you're going to be security you're going to be the captain you're going to be first officer you'll be you know and so you all get your your assignments and um and then you go in and they create a mission for you and uh, you end up you end up running through the school with guns shooting people and 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 um, trying to save somebody and and just awesome so we all did it as kids because mm-hmm. uh, it was just something you did you know the schools would go up there and you'd do it sometimes you'd spit you even had like overnight trips uh, where you could go and spend overnight and so we did that um, once with our school we spent a, we spent a night there um, and then my my buddy my uh, Jen's cousin um, he was turning 40 and so we all got together and did that all as 40 year olds uh, doing the same thing and it was the funnest thing that we had done in so long. Mm-hmm. So real dorky, real nerdy, but it was awesome. We loved it. So. Oh, very cool. Yeah, the dorky, nerdy things are, are really cool. I, I love them too. So it's, it's really fun to hear about those experiences and everything like that. Do you guys have anything like that out there? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I'm sure there's LARPing in, I mean, they have the Renaissance Fair here, but then the, the big thing would be the, the Comic-Cons, like, you know, next weekend's uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So, so yeah, oh, there's a, definitely that's huge. That's the mother of all Comic-Cons. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, most cities have their their versions of Comic Con. In fact, uh, so I was in Utah last year in yeah. September. Uh, there just happened yeah. to be an event going on the same weekend we were there visiting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, this is a good one out here. Yeah, next time you're out here, man, come visit us. 
Yeah, I absolutely should. In fact, I mean, actually, that was part of my next question here. So we're going to kind of move away from the dorky stuff and talk about sports because I know everyone, uh, uh, maybe a, a little more like jockey, <laughs> less dorky. But I know, I know you're a really big BYU fan. And uh, I was so bummed and realized maybe I should have touched base with Jeremy. I know you were here a couple of years ago. When uh, BYU and UCLA played at the Rose Bowl, I think it, oh, I yeah. top time to try and meet. That, meet up. that, that would have been pretty too, fun. Too. Yeah. So, so how's BYU looking this fall? What, what do you expect to see from the team? I know you're a big uh, Cougars fan, so I'm a huge Cougars fan. I've been I, I graduated from Utah State too, so uh-huh. I'm an Aggie <laughs> as well. But I've always been a Cougar sports fan. But um, uh, so I could talk forever about that. But last year of Independence. Uh huh. Uh, then they're going into the Big 12. Uh, we've got a good quarterback coming back that a lot of people are uh, are projecting as a first-round draft pick, so that's great. Um, most people, uh, most sports writers are are projecting us to be in the at least in the top 20 um, to start the season, mm-hmm. um, but it's a really, really challenging season as well. So we've got, I think, is six or seven p5 opponents that we're playing mm-hmm. um which is you know which is always a really really tough schedule um so if we can run the gamut if we can if we can come out of that and with just one loss maybe at the most two then we might have a an outsider's chance of making it to a playoff but i'm not counting on that i'm just hoping for a good seven to five, nine and three type season that uh, gets us to a good bowl game. And then we get a good start and uh, going into the big 12. So I'm excited. We've been, like I said, we've been season ticket holders for a long time. So it's always a fun thing for our family to go to all the, all the, all the football games. Oh yeah. I mean, definitely the games are a blast. I mean, it's really fun to watch the games on TV with with your buddies or if you can, I mean, go in person, like you said, with your season tickets. So yeah, fall's almost here. So it's uh, just a few more weeks to wait. Uh, that was pretty much all the talking points and questions that I had for tonight. Was there anything else yep. you wanted to bring up, Jeremy, before we wrap up? No, I'm so grateful you did this, man. This is awesome. Thank you for reaching out. It's been so much fun to reminisce. And uh, just to kind of spark up this old friendship, because um, I do, I consider everybody that from from our group, you know, really good friends, even though we haven't spoken for uh, for too long. Yeah, and I hope that uh, I hope that we can keep reaching out like this and uh, talking, you know, on or off the podcast, but just uh, staying in touch with each other. Super happy to see uh, see your family growing too. Um, I, I, your kids are at just the best ages right now. Mm-hmm. They're starting to get their personality, <laughs> talk with you. I just love it. It's just it's great. So congratulations, man, and good luck with your uh, MBM. Couldn't be happier for you. Oh, thanks, Jeremy. Really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's great to catch up with you, see how well you and your family are doing. Uh, best of luck to you also in your uh, future work endeavors with the solar. I mean, it's uh, pretty cool what I hear. What I hear, it's a really cool business. So uh, thriving business. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, stay connected and do another one of these in the future. I, I'd love to get as many of the, the former group together. Uh, see, see what we we that might be a little hard to schedule like everyone at the same that. time, but. Well, you, you schedule everyone else, and then I'll make my schedule work around it. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, thanks for joining me on the podcast, Jeremy. I definitely want to have you on again. And yeah, uh, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Cool. Good talking to you, man. Good, uh, good talking to you, too.